Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. All right, Brewer fans, welcome to the Brewer Review Podcast. My name is Craig. Uh, joining me today is my co-host Vince. Vince, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Craig. And uh, do we have Scotty and Chad on here today as well? I know Scott that they were and Chad are out on assignment, but we have right. the pleasure of having uh, Scott's interns to help us out here. And they've just handed right. me this list of the Brewers, actually uh, 22 draft picks this year, the uh, 20 rounds of picks. And also their yeah. competitive balance hey, pick. Craig, Craig, I should just add really quick as we get started here. I this is I, I just have to let our audience know the the folks who've been listening to us and following us and our show since geez, 2004. Um, I just wanted to let them know that this is, I believe, the first year during that entire period where you did not send angry text messages on draft day. All right. Well, then, well. Not Sam. Uh, yeah, I have my anger management is starting to pay off. So, um, <laughs> thank you, therapist. Now, anyway, the um, well, then I'll, I'll I'll leave you to guess whether or not I like the draft class or not until after this. But that might be a, a good hint on whether or not I do or not. So, <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you were like being silent in an attempt to actually control your emotions or if it was just because you were actually pleased with the draft. I, I just haven't seen that before. So it was pretty exciting either way, but um, just wanted to share that with our fans. All right. There's a little bit of both, I think. So anyway, the Brewers had the 18th overall pick in the first round. And I, I will note that uh, I didn't mention this player as one of the picks, the uh, one of the players the Brewers could have been targeting around that, that point in the, on the last podcast. So that was, that was good. Um, Brock Wilkin, third baseman from Wake Forest, has got possibly the best power in the draft class. Um, he was picked in the first round. We'll go over him in a little bit. Our competitive balance first round pick was Josh Noth, Silent K, a right-handed pitcher from high school in New York, the state of New York. Um, second round pick, 54th overall, Mike Bouve. It's a third baseman slash second baseman from Omaha, Nebraska. College. Um, then in the third round, we pick Eric Batoni, or Batonti, uh, third baseman, shortstop uh, from high school in California. Um, I also mentioned him as possibly one of our competitive balance players we target, and he lasted all the way to the third round. So that was a great pick for the Brewers. Uh, fourth round, Jason Woodward, right handed pitching from Community College, Community Golf Coast. Uh, the Brewers seem to love those community college pitchers. Uh, in fact, they picked another one. They popped another one in the fifth round. Ryan Richard from uh, Niagara County Community College, right-handed pitcher. Um, sixth round, we picked uh, a player that fell quite a bit, and we gobbled him up, and that was Cooper Pratt, shortstop from high school in Mississippi. Um, seventh round, Tate Kuchner, a left-handed pitcher from Louisville. Eighth round, Craig Yoho, right-hand pitcher from Indiana. Um, we can we can afford another Craig in Milwaukee. Why not? Uh, ninth round, Mark Manfredi, left-handed pitcher, Dayton. Tenth round, Morris Austin, right-handed pitcher, Houston Christian. Hey, from your neck of the woods there, Vince. Eleventh uh, round, yep. we've got Bishop Letson, right-handed pitcher from high school in Indiana. 
Twelfth uh, round, we've got Bjorn Johnson, left-handed pitcher from uh, high school in the state of Washington. Thirteenth round, Brett Wichrowski, a right-handed pitcher from Bryant University. Fourteenth round, Hayden Robinson, right-handed pitcher from LA High School. Fifteenth round, back to position players finally, Josh Adamzuski, uh, shortstop from Indiana High School. Um, Josh Timmerman, right-handed pitcher from Ohio State. Uh, 17th round, Jacob Golston, right-handed pitcher from high school in Texas, Flower Mound. Um, and 18th round, Dylan Watts, right-handed pitcher from uh, Tacoma Community College. 19th round, Isaac Morton, right-handed pitcher from Minnesota High School. And our 20th pick, last pick of our draft class this year, Justin Chambers, left-handed pitcher from Arizona High School. So, um, now, there used to be many, many more rounds, uh, and people, you know, we'd rattle off quite a bit, but um, 20 rounds, nice and neat this year. Um, yeah, I know during the pandemic here, 2020, I believe they reduced it even to just five rounds, but this 20 picks, it uh, looks like the Brewers scooped up a lot of pitching, obviously, and uh, most of their pitching, their position players, seem like they kind of target a lot of third base type prospects or possibilities, so... I'll start by pointing out, you know, they, you normally don't draft for need, but it sure seemed like they may have. And of course, you can never have too many arms. But um, all right. So I guess real quick, Brock Wilkin, I really like the first round pick. Got a lot of power. Reminds me of kind of like Troy Gloss a little bit where he's probably not going to have the greatest hit tool, but really massive, like le legit MLB 35 to 40 homer power um, and probably hitting between 240 and 260, but able to get on base. And just like Gloss, Later in his career, he could pro would probably slot over to first base. So he's a corner outfielder, but he does have a great arm and should start the start the, uh, the minor leagues and hopefully the major leagues as a, as a third baseman, which the Brewers definitely need. Um, so our second pick, Josh Noth, uh, seemed like a little bit of reach to me, but I think they might have tried to save some money um, on him. But he he was really blowing up. Um, he was really climbing up draft boards. Um, so. Uh, right-handed pitcher with some comp uh, kind of similar to Lance McCuller, McCullers from the Astros where he's undersized uh, right-hander, but really has some nice spin rates on his breaking pitches. Um, and always hurt. Yeah. Well, hopefully they, he doesn't, doesn't do that. Uh, yeah. Second rounder, Mike Bouvet, um, very similar to uh, a, Couple year draft pick Tyler Black, uh, really good hit tool, but not much power. Um, doesn't strike out a ton. Really, uh, really good contact hitter. A little bit of reach there, I believe. Uh, not a huge fan of that pick. The third round pick Eric Batanti uh, is a shortstop, third base prospect. I really like him um, quite a bit as a left-handed bat. Um, thought he was supposed to go a little bit higher, so I'm thinking the Brewers will. He's committed to Oregon, but I think. The Brewers can use a little bit of savings to, to 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 ink him, so to speak. So I'm really excited about that pick. And then I'll just point out that our sixth round pick, Cooper Pratt, was also someone that was projected to go in the top 100 picks, and we got him as 182nd overall. Um, he's committed to Ole Miss and might be a real tough sign, probably the only real tough sign in this class. But I really feel that with savings and the first couple of rounds, especially on uh, our second and third pick of this draft, the Brewers should be able to to sign him as well. So that's exciting draft class. And he profiles also as a shortstop, possibly a third baseman going forward. So pretty exciting draft class. I'm pretty happy overall. Again, it's a little bit different than what this 
regime really goes and, and not as many up the middle players as they're used to. And they usually really focus on shortstop and center fielders. And they didn't, they kind of went a little bit more of the corner infield third base route, especially toward the top of this draft, which I think was yeah. a little bit different. And I think that they finally identified that, um, that they're gonna have to develop some, some players that can really hit in with power to fill the corner outfield positions from within going forward rather than the, yeah. Gar the dump yeah. dumpster bin, so to speak. Yeah, and I think that that kind of speaks to something we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast. You know, it seems like the Brewers have never really settled in on a full-time above-average first baseman since Prince Fielder left, at least not on a regular basis, with all due respect to, you know, Rowdy Telez, Dan Vogelbach, uh, Chris Carter, Adam Lind, you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, it just seems like we've never had real consistency there, or uh, probably at third base either since Aramis Ramirez left with you know, Travis Shaw being the closest thing to any sort of stability there for uh, like a, a good season and a half. So I, I I think that that is correct, that you've identified kind of a, a new philosophy. And I guess my question for you and um, our listeners is, you know, do you think that this is a byproduct of kind of a, a new direction that um, is being implemented top down from Matt Arnold now that he um, is, you know, officially the GM and, and that David Stearns has clearly taken a bit of a, a step away from the organization at this point? That's a tough to say. I really think that there were a couple of third basemen that were really just the best players available when their first round pick came up. So in fact, we projected them to take the guy that went right after them. The Rays gobbled up. Um, they're always awesome at drafting as well. I like the fact that we went with the the guy with the, the more power here, because that's again, something we just seem to be laughing, lacking throughout our system, so to speak. We, um, I mean, so whether or not, I still think they went the best player available in the first round, so to speak. Um, whether or not the other picks, um, yeah, it's tough to say. But, like, I think they're straying away from, you know, I think their old philosophy was, like, well, let's grab as many shortstop prospects as we can. And if they don't work out at short or they can't stick there, we could always slide them over to different positions, uh, short, I mean, second base or third base. But the problem with that is, so that's kind of what was happened with, Louis Urias, who, again, when we acquired him and, and traded our um, Trent Grisham in that deal um, for him and Lauer, um, we, I think, envisioned him as our shortstop in the future. But then once we trade for Adamas, um, we needed to move him somewhere else. And he, he, you know, then all of a sudden we had Trang coming up here and and other other options at second base. So ultimately, we're, we can't kind of came in this season was like, oh, is Louis Urias our starting third baseman? Um, first of all, he did not, his bat does not profile as a third baseman, in my opinion, uh, not enough power at all. With that being said, you know, you can have different power from different positions and we're getting a little bit from catcher now, but the bottom line is, um, really he's been a bust now at this point, you can pretty much label him as that. And therefore, um, I think when they were like, okay, well, we don't really have an internal third base candidate right now i think we, we need to, to maybe identify some something like that and i think they've grabbed a couple of guys that could be future third baseman for sure yeah no i think that that's that's a good identifying uh trait of this draft too I, and you're right about urias i mean certainly i've always kind of viewed him as a platoon guy but that's partially because the brewers have never really settled in on, on one position i i do value roster flexibility but i don't think you can have I don't think that you should have an entire roster full of guys just because they play multi-positions. I, I do think that there is some value in having guys that are, you know, your set shortstop and your set third baseman. And I, I think that that is, is good um, to mix and match with guys like Owen Miller or Louis Urias who can play multi-positions. I, I, I think that that is going to probably come down to one of the 
the, I, I hate to use the word flaw, but one of the things that sort of the defining traits um, that that kind of uh, David Stearns will become known for or is known for guys like Mike Moustakas playing second base and, you know, just kind of guys playing out of uh, normal places. And again, I like the creativity, but I also think there's some value to, to stability and having some sort of, you know, anchors, especially at the corners. Yeah. No, I mean, it's that same like flash that they brought over from the Rays, both Stearns and Arnold at their time there. And you can see like how, how their roster has been composed. It's, it's usually, you know, these guys that can cover multiple position and that kind of makes sense for depth. Cause then if you can really cover for an injury, but what you then don't have is like the correct middle order hitters, you know, playing first and third base, like you have, have, you know, lighter hitters in that and it, your, your lineup's going to suffer overall. So even though your depth will be stronger, really the middle of your lineup is going to be a lot weaker. And that's what, that's what we're seeing now, especially with Chris Mielic now profiling more as a great leadoff hitter. Uh, rather than the middle of an order or even a number three hole hitter. You know, once he lost Braun and now he's out of that position, we really don't have a middle of the order type hitter right now. Adamus is hitting second. second, And I mean, beyond that, you, you know, you're not striking fear. I, I'm a true believer that if you're going to be a successful major league baseball team, you really need to have solid hitting on the three, the your three hole, your four hole and your five hole, and uh, including your leadoff hitter. And the Brewers are lacking in that. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that it is nice that they didn't necessarily draft any leadoff hitting profiles because it seemed like they really liked that, that profile. You're talking about Sal Freelick as a leadoff hitting profile. You're talking about Garrett Mitchell has a leadoff profile. You know, Christian Yelich is now pretty much a leadoff hitter. And so a lot of the guys that we already have in the system seem to be, you know, even Bryce Trang, you could throw up as more of a top of the order, bottom of the order hitter, not necessarily a middle order hitter. So um, I think that this is something that we needed in the system. Obviously, Joey Weimer has enough power. He could probably be a future middle order hitter. But beyond that, um, you know, he also has speed, too. So he could. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's just like a philosophy thing. But um, I don't know that they're going to stray for it. I wouldn't be surprised if next draft they go back to tons of shortstops and center field, <laughs> fielders uh, in the draft once again. Uh, but this might have been one of these where like best player available in the first round and then We'll, we'll see what we can do for the others. But I, I do like the fact that they, um, you know, their third round pick, Batonti, uh, and also their sixth round pick, Cooper Pratt. These are guys that are probably could have went, you know, higher than what they did. And I think if the Brewers can sign them, this is going to look like a really strong draft in the long, long term. Yeah, uh, certainly seems to be that way. I, I got pretty excited just kind of seeing some of the people that that do follow this a little, little closer than I do. I mean, quite frankly, it's hard to, to keep track of prep guys and major leagues and the minor leagues and you know all the different levels of baseball so i do rely a lot on you know your analysis and brandon's analysis and of course scotty's and so it's it's uh it's it's good though to hear good reviews for the brewers overall of this draft and i i'll, I'll be interested to see if we can really look at it next year and kind of identify some trends again after you know a couple of years with matt arnold really running the the draft room yeah and in the draft whether i like it or not it's just all of kind of opinion if you anyone was watching MLB Network after the Brewers' third pick of Mike Bouvet, um, someone on the set asked them, um, "So, so you wouldn't rank the Brewers' draft thus far in the top top five drafts?" And he's like, "Absolutely not." So my guess is that he was really not liking the Brewers' first three picks collectively, uh, and I can right. see that because the second and third picks were, were a bit of reaches, even though Wilkin was solid. I, I he he definitely there, there's definitely distractors of, of this draft, and and other teams I'm, I'm sure feel that they, they did a lot better. But 
uh, I'm, I'm happy with it overall. And I think there'll be some good major leaders to come out of this. Um, so real, real quick, as we move on to the second half preview real quick, uh, the Brewers come into the all-star break with uh, they, they took two or three at home from the Reds. And they're now just one game out of the NL central lead. A um, couple of things, I guess I want to congratulate Corbin Burns for being named the all-star team as a replacement for Spencer Strider. I, Fortunately, he did not get to play in the game. In fact, it's pretty sad. No Brewer got to play because Devin Williams also, who was uh, chosen, chose not to participate or not to go to the game at all. So, the, unfortunately, Brewers were not represented in the All-Star game this year. Uh, I, think actual... he, I think he did go to the game, Craig, just for the record. He was Oh, there. yeah, no. Uh, oh, Devin Williams? Yeah, Devin right. Williams. He was working out with the with the team, and he was there. Um, oh, okay. And he, had, he got some rave reviews on the red carpet during fashion, uh, whatever they turned into a, a fashion show, I think, before the game. Just Okay, just but he was record. not available to pitch, so he had a replacement player. Yeah. For him. Yep. All right, yep. but uh, looking back to last Saturday's Futures game, there were three Brewers in that game. Edgar Quero, their catching prospect. Uh, Jackson Trio, of course, our, our, our stud outfield prospect. Um, and then the talk of the futures game also possibly was our our right-handed pitching prospect Jason Mizorowski who struck out the side and threw I think like seven of his or at least seven pitches over 100 miles an hour in that inning a pitch and people are saying that his stuff is just just nasty and if he can learn to control yeah. it here in the minor leagues if you're really looking at a top of the rotation starter uh potential out of Jacob Mizorowski so that's a pretty exciting thing yeah, it, it is. Our colleague, uh, Curtis Hogg from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel did write up a little bit about, about him maybe a, a month or six weeks or so ago and really interesting article. And, and he did a great job of kind of highlighting his repertoire and, and what he's working on right now in, in the minor leagues. And I, I do think that there's going to be some questions going forward, whether or not he's going to be a starter or maybe a future closer. I, a lot of the same debates that were had about Josh Hader, I think could, could be had about him as well. So it's, but certainly it's exciting. We've got a live arm like that in our, in our minor league system. And, um, you know, the Brewers do continue to, to turn out uh, some pretty good pitching from our system, unlike in years past. So that is an exciting trend that hopefully we see continue. I know our insert source TC says that uh, he thinks that Mizrowski will stay a starter and reach a ceiling of at least a number two starter, if not an ace. So. Um, oh, that's great news Mr. from Carter. Tom Carter. Awesome. Oh. When you say, TC, I know that uh, you're talking about Tom, so that's that's awesome. And thank you to Tom for for that. We do appreciate his ins and our view listeners, of course, do uh, appreciate his inside information, which is always usually spot on. However, um, as you noticed, I said TC. That's uh, he doesn't want uh, to be. Yeah, he he doesn't want to be revealed as a source. So please refrain from using his full name, either his first or his last, in any combination or form. He actually sent an email that seemed like kind of a uh, pretty direct that we, we stopped doing that. So we'll, we'll see. Next I did get we'll... that email. I did get that email. It was, yeah, from uh, Tom Carter at yahoo.com or whatever. But yeah, I did get that. So sorry about that, Tom. And uh, our interns can can edit this out or Scotty's interns can. Yeah. So overall, it was a uh, really cool uh, all-star break and exciting. And, and I'm starting to get warm up to the fact that they have the draft interspliced inter within it too. Um, but really fun time. And uh, here we are about to check out the, kick out the second half. We're taping this on Thursday, the 16th of July. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm kind of surprised there's no – I thought they used to kick off games starting on a Thursday right after all-star break, but not this year. So I'm a little bit – No, not for the last couple of years. That was part of the last, uh, I think, the latest CBA, actually, Craig. Oh, okay. Um, to, give, 
to give the players an additional off day. I believe that that was one of the concessions that uh, ownership made to the players union because they wanted a, a four day break. And, you know, it, to be fair, it's a long season. It's 162 games. And you do have guys that are trying to get uh, to their homes, you know, for at least a couple days if they're not going to the all-star game and even all-stars who have to go out to Seattle, in this case for two days, they may still want to have two full days off. So um, I think this was an opportunity to, to try to get the players a, an extra day with their families during the season. That makes that makes perfect sense. And yeah, that way the all-star all-stars themselves can get home to see their family for a day or two before they head back out to the big weekend series to kick off the second half. Yep. It's a big one here for the Brewers coming up in July. We're start, starting with a three-game set here in Cincinnati. So it's kind of strange because we just ended with a three three-game set back at uh an FM field last weekend against the Reds, and they're gonna kick off the second half in Cincinnati with a three-game set. So come up here and it's gonna be a tough July, but I, I think we're gonna really show our true colors here. We've got Six games, both home and away, three home and away against the Reds still coming up this month. And then also the Braves. We got three games set with the Phillies coming up. So it's going to be a tough month of July to finish up here. And I think the Brewers really need to step up uh, here and, and, you know, keep themselves in this race as we head into the trade deadline. Um, uh, envisioning the Brewers, you know, battling it out for the division all the way up to the last week of the year. What do you feel has to happen in the second half for the Brewers to win the NL Central? I mean, I, to me, it's, it's very clear. I, I think we need to be aggressive at the deadline and get a bat. I'm not, I'm not confident that we will, but um, I think our offense still needs another bat, uh, at least another bat, and I think that our bullpen needs another arm. So my, my hope is, is that the front office has woken up to, you know, the sins of years past, so to speak, and they understand that we do need to be aggressive uh, at the deadline and, and to be more proactive um, in, in filling some gaps on a roster that, you know, has the potential to – to, to make some noise, but is missing some key components. And I, you know, I certainly prefer that than selling at this point. So that's my hope. Um, as far as with the guys that we've got, I think that we need uh, Corbin Burns to continue to, to step up. He started the year off a little bit slowly, I think, but um, as you can see by his all-star selection, he certainly has started to turn things around and start to pitch uh, at least somewhat like the Corbin of old. I, I love seeing both him and Christian Yelich um, have the success that they've had, and I'm hoping that their success continues. And I think that um, obviously, reintroducing Brandon Woodruff into the rotation is going to be great. If we can, if we can get a couple guys healthy, I'm not as worried about the starting rotation. Um, you know, if we can get Wade Miley and, and Brandon Woodruff coming back healthy, I think that I don't think we can rely on Ashby for anything this season at this point, but I do think that um, again, Woodruff and Miley being healthy is going to be a huge plus. And, and the real wild card in the rotation to me is Freddie Peralta. who's had a disappointing to me first half. Um, but if you can pitch like the Freddie of old, I, I, which I think he's fully capable of, um, I think that would be huge. So that's that's kind of my hopes along with the um, hopeful deadline acquisitions. Yeah, those are some great points. I, I agree that I think the keys to the second half are, first of all, first and foremost, getting Brandon Woodruff healthy and back in the rotation. Um, number two, I think we not only have to add one bad at the trade deadline, we probably have to add, in my opinion, two or three to fix this lineup. With that being said, I want to give kudos to Christian Yelich, who's been one of the hottest hitters in baseball for over the last six weeks leading up to All Star break, and it really, really looks like he, you know, uh, is Christian almost of old, a little bit less power, which is awesome. Um, and and Willie Domas, who started off pretty slow throughout the course of the season, has really been turning it up over the last couple of weeks too. We definitely need those two guys as pretty much our two best hitters, and um, I think we need to add some some pop to the middle of our lineup. And at the trade deadline, I'm hoping we can do that. Um, and then, and, and really reevaluate guys that that aren't hitting well. Like I, I know Rudy, Rowdy Tellez, unfortunately, on the the 
IL right now, but I mean, he's really showing himself to be possibly only on platoon uh, first baseman right now. And also Jesse Winker, who's turned up a little bit here of late, still, I think, uh, could be upgraded, so to speak. So we'll see. And, and also, I think that we do need, along with the trade deadline of the hitters, I think we need to add at least one good bullpen arm. I know that we just straight released Matt Bush, who signed back on with the Raider, Rangers on my league deal. But Piams has been awesome. But I mean, besides... Uh, Basically, um, Williams, who's the all-star William, then Williams and, and Piams, uh, I'm a little bit concerned with the rest of our bullpen. Some of the guys have been, you know, we've been rotating guys out, but um, I, I think that'll be huge. So I think to me, those are the keys to the second half. And I, I do believe the Brewers will stay in it uh, all the way to the end. And therefore, there's no reason, nothing can really happen in the next three weeks between now and the August, I think, first deadline. Uh, trade deadline for us to be that far out of first place, I believe, to uh, switch to selling mode. So I think we need to be all in and try to make the playoffs by winning NL Central this year. And yep. I should also point out that I, I think that there's still a pot. We're right in the mix for the if, if indeed we even were to fall a game or two short of the NL Central. I think we're still in the mix of teams for the wild card too. None of the other divisions are really pulling away. I know. Um, you know, the Mets have had a terrible season. The Potters have had a terrible season. So they've almost taken themselves out of contention. The Cardinals, of course, have had a terrible season. Yeah. So I, you might have saw this, but the Cardinals GM actually said, what you know, when yeah. asked what they're going to be doing at the trade deadline, he said that they're going to be focusing on the 2024 team. I think you can stick a fork in the Cardinals for this year. Well, I was about to bring that up. I know we talked about it briefly in our pre-production meeting, but um, John Mozeliak has, has, has said flat out that they're going to be sellers at the deadline this year. I don't think that that's going to change with, you know, four teams ahead of them right now in the division, including the pirates and the Cubs. So um, yeah, that's, that's good news for the brewers. I think um, the one, two teams kind of, kind of strike me as, as teams to watch at this point um, outside of the Mets, but the, the Padres and the White Sox, I think both of those teams have a lot of interesting pieces. Um, we've seen AJ Preller be hyper aggressive uh, at past deadlines in terms of acquiring players, I'm wondering if you might just be all equally as aggressive in moving players for pieces that might help them more in future years, um, just given his track record. Um, so that could be an interesting team to watch. The White Sox obviously started incredibly slow in April. Um, they haven't really recovered. I think they've played about 500 since then. So uh, they they are probably out of the playoff picture, even in a weak American League Central. And I, I think that that will be an, another interesting team to watch. So uh, I'm I'm kind of focused on those two teams at this point. Yeah, they definitely have some pieces that we could use, um, including from their bullpen. We could use Josh Hader back. That'd be nice. Maybe maybe a lesser cost. <laughs> that, that's for sure. I, we, maybe, maybe we need to sign uh, Denilson Lamette and trade him back. Um, yeah, no, that sounds, sounds good. Something like that. Well, anyway, it'll be exciting, and we'll have some more podcasts before the trade deadline with some more speculation. Yeah. Players available. But so make sure. And Craig, I did want to ask really quick. We did, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I, I did want to ask and make sure we got to it. Um, we put out a question on, or I'm sorry, Scotty's interns put out a question on social media yesterday. Um, love to get your response really quick. Who would you say is the Brewers team MVP of the first half? All right. Only name one, but it can be a pitcher or a position player. It's, it doesn't matter. Do you want, are you asking me to pick or go to the poll and choose? Yes. Well, we already put it out there, so I'm just curious who you pick unless you looked at it, but yeah. Later now, I'm going to go with Christian Yelich. That's exactly what the fans said as well. It was uh, over 80%. So yeah, Christian Yelich uh, by far got the nod. A uh, couple votes for Contreras, a couple votes, uh, a couple more votes for Devin Williams. I think Williams was second place, and 
Wade Miley received a couple votes and Julio Tehran received, uh, I think, one vote, one or two votes as well. But um, Christian Yelich definitely far and away won it. Yeah, and Wade Miley, like he's probably been the, the, the most unsung hero of the year. Like he's he's when he's been out there, he's been a magician on the mound. So kudos to that guy. Yeah, um, for sure. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, listeners. Um, remember, uh, join us on or check us out on Twitter and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, Brook Review one on Twitter and uh, continue to send us your questions. I know we've got a bunch to get to, and uh, Scott is going through those. Uh, Brook Review podcasts with an S at gmail.com. We will get to those on uh, our next show, hopefully. All right. Well, stay classy, West Dallas, and go Brewers. Stay classy. Go Brewers. Go Brewers. Do, 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 do.